Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. It used to be all about the yellow ties, but now it's simply YouTuber lies. Transfer deadline day is over, but there are plenty of things to talk about. Far too much to fit into a really restrictive intro line. It's Saturday, the 2nd of September. Welcome to Ramble Reacts. I'm Luke Moore. And I'm Andy Brassel. Hello, Andy. How are you today? A Saturday morning show. Good. I still have my transfer deadline day voice on there, actually. I'll, I'll try and take the edge off that as we continue. I saw you on the telly, actually. You had a, very, a pair of very skinny trousers on. I d- yeah, but that wasn't on actual deadline day. And oh, uh, right. it, it, it was part of the, the thing is, the I, didn't, I didn't know I was going to be standing up at the, the, the big screen. And um, so someone tweeted me. Um, afterwards, well, included me in the tweet. It said, when you're doing the transfer show at six and recording Back to the Future 3 at seven. <laughs> I get a big pair of trainers on as well. That's I, I, I thought that was excellent. Yeah. They 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 um they use a lot of um new young people on Sky Sports News around transfers now, um, as well as yourself. <laughs> and um, they they um they they ask what I like about it is I've got no beef with any of them. A couple of them I've I've met and I think they're nice people. Um so this is not a dig. But what they do with these young people they've got from YouTube and from um, and from you know social media and stuff is that um, they ask them to do things they're simply not capable of, like get up and walk to the screen and start going through stuff. And it's like it's really complicated broadcasting, and it's just why why are you making them do that? Anyway, listen, there was a load of transfers that came in. It was a crazy transfer deadline day, and we'll get through some of the transfers that I think are most relevant to our to our wonderful parish of Ramble listeners. Um, but before we do that, it would be um, remiss of us not to talk about 
Um, Luton won West Ham two last night. Luton huffed and puffed and tried to snaffle out a first win of the season truffle in their first top <laughs> flight game at Kenilworth Road since 1992. But they came up short. Goals from Jared Bowen and Kurt Zuma meant West Ham went away with a 2-1 win, as I said, despite Mads Anderson's um, best efforts in injury time. Which, I mean, Mads Anderson's kind of consolation goal late on um, was enjoyable because the commentator, I don't know who it was, um, I can't remember his Seb name. Hutchinson. Seb Hutchinson just screamed, a first Premier League goal for the old girl. <laughs> and it made it sound like he was talking about mad dancers, like an old grandmother, which I found very <laughs> enjoyable. But um, look, Andy, what did you make of the game? Uh, slightly disorientating because, of course, part of the huge improvements to Kenilworth Road or part of the improvements to Kenilworth Road is that the camera is now on the other side of the picture main broadcast camera? Yes, uh, which that's is, one for the heads. That ah, oh, it's very, very confusing sort of uh, business. As you know, I've had my sightline difficulties with Kenneth, Kenilworth Road in the past, anyway. So uh, and with your age, <laughs> that's another one. <laughs> that's another dig at your age. I'm sorry. I'll stop them now. I'll stop them now. I can, I can, I can still. I'm still skinny enough to get in between the houses, but uh, not, not, <laughs> not, not, not enough to get the under, uh, under 18s price, and sadly, not enough to get the over 60 for old enough to get the over 65s one either um <laughs> west ham always looked completely in control of this i i, yeah. I, I thought and um you know they they were they had, a, they had a few little bits to, to ride out but you just had the feeling with bowen and pakatar they had the best players on the pitch by a mile i was pleased to see jared bowen score because um the stuff the luton fans was singing about his girlfriend was pretty repellent and i really don't think people should have to put up with that no, um, i agree and yeah, it was it was pretty comfortable for West Ham, who looked really like stable and good. Yeah, I thought I thought um, the ball from Pakatar for Bowen's goal was sensational. He's an amazing operator, mm. and the most worrying thing for Luton, I think, in that is that it you know at times it looked like a like a mismatch, right? And mm. I don't I don't take any particular pleasure in kind of bagging on Luton all the time because it's an amazing story, and I'm pleased. They're in the Premier League. I kind of feel like I flip between being patronising to them and then being overly harsh on them. And I don't really want to do either of those things, but it's very difficult to ignore the evidence that's in front of your eyes. And and unfortunately for Luton, the thing that should be frightening for their fans should just be that, you know, yes, Pakatar's a good player. Yes, Bowen's a good player. Yes, James Will prowse is incredible from set pieces. Yes, you know, Antonio's a brilliant lone frontman. But this is the standard, right? It doesn't really get any easier than this. And if you're looking at... Um, the start of the season and you and you earmark a game they probably were not really knowing how West Ham were going to start the season they're probably earmarking a game at home to West Ham on Friday night and going right we can get it pumping in here we Maybe. can really go after West Ham we can get mm. a result of course as Napoleon said you know you'd rather be a lucky general than a good one um, <laughs> Rob Edwards isn't a lucky general at the moment because he's come up against West Ham in an amazing bit of form and they just they just didn't really look like they were capable. It's not to say they didn't have chances. No. Of course, they were able to score late on, but it just felt like a bridge too far. It felt, it felt like a gap, didn't it? I, I mean, there's uh, work to do for sure. Yeah, I mean, for I, sure. I suppose though, if if you're Luton, uh, you take solace from the fact that they're playing a team who are not just much better than them at the moment, but much better than them. Period, and they managed to stay in the game. So, I, I think. You know they've not been humiliated in any of their games so far. They they had a little go at Chelsea, um, and they even had a little go at Brighton for for a bit. And you're talking about teams that these are not the teams that they're they're expected to compete against. 
you know, if you get a point here and there, then then great. But I think the proof will be when they start playing other sides that were expected to be in the bottom third. You know, that's that's something that will be different. And, you know, obviously there's always going to be a huge amount of emotion in this, you know, a first, I don't want to say first Premier League home game, even though I suppose factually that's what it is, but first top flight home game for what, 35 years or, or, or whatever. Um, it's, it's, it's something that's huge. And for the players, they're acclimatising to being back in their stadium because as we know the work on it went right up to the deadline as as, as well so look they'll have, they'll have better days than this if if there's a day to be worried about Luton it is not this day I would say okay so it's 31 years I think since they've been up there right um based on what you're saying then is um yeah the next three Premier League games they've got a crucial them because there's a way to Fulham home to Wolves and a way to Everton right well That's, especially uh, those last two right that's big potatoes. That is big potatoes. And, uh, well, <laughs> what you were talking about, though, with what everyone's expecting from Luton or not expecting from Luton, all the pressure is on Wolves and Everton for those games. Like if they it's drop, true. if they drop a point against Luton, people will say, right, you're definitely going down, then, aren't you? Yeah, true. Look, I think I think what we should do is we should, you know, put Luton fans out of their misery and say, look, we're going to move on from that now. Um, it was great to see them under the lights on the on the old TV, um, the the camera angles and stuff, as you mentioned are kind of a throwback. They also remind me a bit of Fratton Park, which gives me a gives me nice um a nice warm feeling um because there's no chance I'm going to be watching Pompey in the Premier League anytime soon. But should they have got a bellman doing... on a transfer deadline? <laughs> Always day. with the bellman, you lot. Every <laughs> single time I can't get through an episode. Well we know you're such a big man. fan of him, you know. We just <laughs> I told you my favourite story about the uh, John John Westwood the Bellman at Pompey, right? Um I'll I'll just re up it quickly for the um for the for the listeners because obviously on Friday we talked about Tiggy Rainbow, so a little throwback is never is never far away. Um, I was sat quite near John Westwood once, the bellman at Fratton Park, because I couldn't get my regular seat. Or for, I can't remember it was years ago, mm. some kind of reason I couldn't get my regular seat. And um, at half time, I think it was it might be the season or two since Portsmouth had been promoted into the Premier League, so they were getting a lot more coverage. Mm. And Johnny Westwood had become this kind of weirdly famous fan, right? As I'm sure you guys remember. Yeah, and. Um, and at half time, the kids were going up to him and asking for his autograph. And uh, it was really, I was really near to one of the kids and his dad. And the kid came running back. And the dad like grabbed him angrily and said, next time you want an autograph from a B.O. smelling pisshead, you come and see your old man, all right? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, anyway, look, I think... I think um, I think what we'll do is we'll promise to Luton Town fans listening to this that next, when Luton finally win a Premier League game, um, we'll promise we'll cover them. So we'll keep it even. We won't. We won't be biased. We're not going to be some kind of a. We're not going to take some kind of agenda against Luton and cover them every time they lose. Um, if they lose every single game this season, that's not on us. But well, hopefully they won't. Also, if they're going to play on transfer deadline day, which them and West Ham both of them, I mean, it's sacrilegious. What do they think they're doing? Playing actual football no. on transfer deadline day. What's Mick Harford doing in the stand? Go and get the business done, Mick. You're the <laughs> exactly. face of this club. Um, right, let's move on to deadline day because it was an absolutely insane day and I'm always kind of conscious that I don't want to be someone who's like a cheerleader for this whole foul jamboree. Um, but I think when the, we talk about the Rambles' commitment to or contribution to, to the ridiculous transfer fees in football, I think our contribution is fairly minimal. So we've got to cover it. Um, I think we should start with... Um, was Jao Polinia. His move to Bayern Munich collapsed uh, as the 5pm deadline passed in Germany. 
Um, and of course, because Marcus couldn't be here today for, for this Ramble Reacts, we, we simply had to get his reaction to the news, given how worried he was. I mean, he's been up all night, every night for about a week. Um, <laughs> just, I just just playing Jao Polinia slide tackles in his head, thinking, I wonder if I'm ever going to love again. Um, so he, we got him to share his thoughts, and here's what he had to say. Well, well, well. Who knew that the German transfer window shut at 5pm on the 1st of September 2023? For all those who kindly offered their thoughts and prayers, save them for another day. I won't need them now. Um, I do feel a little sorry for Big Joao, <laughs> if I'm honest with you, because uh, he's deserved his move to a bigger team because he is absolutely brilliant. And they don't come much bigger than Bayern Munich, of course. But for now, I'm just glad that we'll have at least another five months of big JP back at Craven Cottage, maybe even a full season. And most importantly, I'm a little bit less worried about a relegation scrap this season now. Yeah, fully, fully resplendent with um, the children in his care coughing in the background. Um, I think you've got a feel for Marcus. I think you've got to be dancing on the streets of Marcus Speller at this news, haven't you? Yeah, it, it, it sounds like one of his sons is perhaps a Bayern fan, uh, choking back the tears <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah. As yeah. Uh, their, their, their deadline day turned to shambles, really. And just to quickly talk about it from a Bayern perspective, you know, they tried to buy Declan Rice um, earlier in the transfer window. They said their big things that, well, we knew their big things were to sign a world-class defensive midfielder and a world-class centre-forward. They got one of those. Um, and how have they left it this late? Like, on, honestly, how have yeah. they left it this late? You know, Polina can't have been a player who they thought of on Wednesday afternoon and thought, oh, yeah, maybe we'll give him a try. And if, that, if they did, that, that's, that says a lot about how shambolically things are run there, which I, I think puts a bit of a question mark over Harry Kane's ability to win multiple trophies there. But... From Fulham's perspective, yeah, Marcus is absolutely right. It's it's huge for them. And the, the lack of replacement was why they didn't let him go. When they were signing him, I always felt they were going to sign him to sell him on later. You know, they were getting a good deal. Um, clearly, when he shone in the Premier League, as everyone who knew him already knew he, he would be able to do, once he was Premier League proven, they were always going to be able to to, to make a sizable profit. But now, of course, he's joined Luke, the noble list of uh, players who've uh, worn the shirt of their new club, new in inverted commas club, had the photos, done the um, interview with the club TV channel, and then it's been all called off. You know, it's it's, it's Fekir yeah. to Liverpool again. It is. It's going to be a. Um, it's going to be featured in a. A Instagram account that gets started in about twenty thirty of transfers that never happened, and um, he's going to feature in that. <clears> I would love to see that expect. because you know a similar thing happened to Juan uh, Moutinho uh, last week. Obviously, he's leaving Wolves. Looked like he was going back to Porto. He actually not only took the photos and did the interview with the club channel, he signed the contract. And uh, Sergio Conceição, the coach, was uh, having a knee operation at the time. And when he came out of hospital, he's like. Well, I didn't want to sign him. You won't get any minutes under me, pal. <laughs> so I ended up ripping it up and he signed for Braga instead. Going back to um, Palinia, as you said, he completed a couple of medicals and all this media, but Fulham blocked the transfer, which I found quite surprising because, you know, in these days of player power and stuff, and Marcus and I have talked and, and, and locked horns about this type of thing in the past around to Harry Kane, around Harry Kane, sorry. Like, it strikes me it's quite surprising that Fulham were able to kind of pull the levers and say, you know, you're not going because we need a replacement and we haven't got one, so it's tough tits. Like, I mean, like normally that doesn't really tend to happen. So fair enough to Fulham for standing their ground. 
Um, they tried to get, like, apparently, according to reports, they tried to get Scott McTominay, um, but he rejected the move, which I thought was strange on his part as well, because I think that'd be a great move for him. Um, but but anyway, he stays. Paulinho stays in the Premier League. It's great news for Premier League fans because, you know, he's one of the best players in that position in the Premier League. I mean, Agreed. people will talk about Rodri, um, you know, but aside from him, I mean, it's it's, it's pretty slim pickings on who's better than, than, than old JP. Um, elsewhere, Fulham have signed um, Alex Awobi for twenty-two million pounds—an astonishing amount of money, in my view. But um, it's um, it's a player they've been after for a while. Someone pointed out to me on social media actually that I was overly harsh on Awobi because he actually contributed seven Premier League assists last season. So fair enough, I hold my hands up there. Not the first time I've been wrong. Won't be the last time. Won't be the last time on this show, <laughs> even I wouldn't have thought. Um, so a quick line on that, Andy, on Awobi moving to Fulham. Is he Wes Anderson movies? Is he a Wes Anderson movie writ large, or is he actually going to make an impact? <laughs> oh, look, maybe he will. Um, it's, it's difficult for anyone to flourish in an Everton situation, and given their propensity True. for missing chances, those seven assists are probably worth about twenty-eight, aren't they? So, um, you know, maybe he should be <laughs> the leading assist provider in the Premier League once he once he makes so it. So he's to a Luke Kevin De Bruyne. Great, I'm pleased we got that squared away. Yeah, there, there, um, there we go. I mean, for me, it's disappointing that Lucas Campos didn't make it. He was the one I was yeah. really looking forward to seeing the, the Premier League. You can't have them all, Andy. No, you can't open your presents on Christmas morning. And not be grateful. Um, even though... I mean, that does happen. <laughs> You've got that to look forward to. <laughs> well, yes, well, you're not welcome at my house on Christmas morning. Um, let's go a little bit further north. Let's go to Manchester and, and look at who Man United have signed because um, Sergio Regulon on loan from Spurs is kind of fairly interesting, chiefly because he's been out of favour. He's been away on loan where I believe he was out of favour as well. Yes. Um, but Man United wanted him as, as cover, I guess, and he's available for selection um, this weekend. Um, that's kind of fairly interesting. But the one I think's probably much more interesting is the completion of the signing of um, Fiorentina midfielder Sofian Amrabat, who it seems to be someone that Eric Ten Hag has um, identified as the solution to their <clears throat> midfield problems. And obviously mm. a player who was desperate to go to Man United and Fiorentina were desperate to sell him. How, how, how does this, how do we square that circle? Because United really wanted him. He seems to be someone who can make a big contribution. Yet Fiorentina wanted rid of him and he really wanted to go. So what's the reason that they were able to get him? And what's the reason that Fiorentina were so keen to, to get rid? Well, since he came back from the World Cup, um, they'd been looking to sell Amrabat for a year plus, um, and they, they couldn't find the right deal last summer. Inter and Spurs were, were, were really interested, and it looked like he was going to Spurs at, at one point. But I, I think the problem was he, he went to the World Cup and came back and wasn't quite at it and they were annoyed right. with him. It, it took him a while to get back into the team. I think it um, affected the relationship between club and player over over long term. Now, of course, it worked out pretty well in the end because he was good in the back half of the Conference League campaign. He was the best player on the pitch in, in the final with West Ham. And th that's him all over, isn't it? He's a big game player. But they wanted to dump him because they, they, they wanted to move on. Now, I think it's it's, it's difficult because you leave him out because you don't want him to get injured, because you want to sell him. And then it becomes a position that you can't really row back from. So they left him out of training for a, a while. I, I wonder if the international break has come at the right time, that they can get him in some sort of fitness, some sort of match fitness, because he's had quite a truncated prep for those reasons um, to, to the season. But look, I, I think he'll be great for them. He's, he's definitely got the level for, for, for United. I think... Anything that can steer them away from leaning on Casemiro to the extent they do 
is is a really important thing because you know yeah. they're they're expecting to play 55 60 matches this this season so um that's something that they need to avoid Re- regulon's a funny one because i think a lot of people look at that and probably united fans look at that and think that's that's a bit deflating but the reality is you know they've got two quality left backs who they, they haven't given up on who are just unavailable at the moment um so they can't really go out and and sign another like you know a plus level one, especially when they believe so much in those. It's, it's, it's the most temporary of loans. And the fact is, every Premier League club is in a situation where they've, they've got loads of players that they want to get rid of. I mean, to, to a certain extent, you've got the Saudi Pro League now, which as Chelsea have found, is a great dustbin for the the, the players you don't want on massive wages who, who, who are impossible. <laughs> That's not in their marketing material. It should be. It should be. Yeah, I agree. You can have that one for free. Yeah. Well, maybe 10 million tax-free. <laughs> any, any, anyway, I think the, the the thing there is that because if if the Saudi Pro League don't want to take your players, Premier League clubs are going to have to start dealing with each other more because this is something we saw in Italian football going back, yeah, you know, t- twenty twenty five years. That it's, I think it's shocking to people how many transfers there are between the biggest clubs. But realistically, some of those players on massive wages. Only the other biggest clubs can afford them. You know, you need to deal with the you don't, the, you teams, know, um, the clubs that are on your level. You say that, and the, obviously that an example we've seen of that is Cole Palmer moving from Man City to Chelsea, which yeah. I think is a very strange move. He's a great young player, and, and clearly he's not getting the minutes and all the rest of it. But every time I see Chelsea sign yet another young player for something like forty million, I feel like um, Jeff Goldblum in the beginning of Independence Day, where I'm saying something's going wrong here. Like everyone needs to listen because this is not good, and everyone's going, "Oh, shut up, Jeff! You know, you don't know what you're fucking talking about. Mm. It's going to be fine." Before you know it, aliens have blown up the White House. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying Stamford Bridge is going to be blown up by extraterrestrials in like a fiery inferno, but you know, it, it kind of feel like it's not a good thing that's happening, right? So. Uh, that's we won't we won't do Cole Palmer because I think it's kind of it's kind of there's other things we want to talk about but there's an example there isn't there of that happening um, I kind of totally understand your point uh, Man United have also um, given Johnny Evans a one year deal which I think is a good idea I yeah, think that's a kind of bit of a risk free no brainer and um, they signed um, Fenerbahce's Altai Bayandir as well uh, the the big one out of Man United before we move on is just and I want to focus on players that are coming into the Premier League rather than players that are going out for obvious reasons but just before we move on Mason Greenwood has got a move he's moved to um, Hitafe in Spain on loan um, an interesting one for all the reasons that everyone knows about already and if you want to hear our take on the Mason Greenwood situation you can go back a few episodes and hear it it's, and it's, it's worth doing so it's worth doing it so it is worth doing so I think yeah mm. um, but the, the, the kind of the guy who's running things at Hetafe was one of the first presidents to come out in criticism of Luis Rubiales and El Torres. Yeah. yeah, he thinks that this he somehow managed to square the circle in his brain and say it's still fine for me for us to sign Mason Greenwood. Um, a quick line from you on that, Andy, before we move on. Yeah, I mean, it's quite difficult to stomach. I think it's fair to say, and especially the video that Getafe did on on social media of what fifteen fans jumping up and down as they they, they learnt the news outside the, the the stadium. I think it could be handled with a, a bit more class and contrition if it's is, is something that they they are going to do. But you know, when you saw people very disingenuously talking on social media a, a week or so ago about how Mason Greenwood has been cancelled. Well, his contract hasn't been cancelled. He's been loaned and he's going to be getting 75k a week. It's United fee, which uh, from what I understand, Getafe are making quite a piecemeal contribution to over, over the next little while. I mean, 
Am I surprised? No, not not massively. I mean, I think you've seen recently with two instances of La Liga clubs promoting um, in Russian language coverage of La Liga to a market that everyone else has cut ties with. Yeah, you know, right. Maybe they, maybe they just don't give a shit. It is, right. is quite depressing, though. Yeah, I think so. I agree. I think it also smacks of like a non-decision from Man United, just to kind of let's just duck down the, the carpet for a while yeah. and see if it all goes away. Still, even after all the shit they're coming out with, which I thought was a load of old nonsense. But like we've done that. I mean, I just wanted to make that um, make that kind of reference there because mm. it is, you know, it's a, I guess it's a kind of, if you like, a some sort of culmination to the situation we've been talking about. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Hi, I'm Jermaine Defoe, and this is the Football Ramble. Look, I'll tell you what is a really interesting signing, possibly the most interesting signing of the, of, the, of the window for me. I heard you talk about it on Ask OTC yesterday. Um, you unfavourably compared him, I thought, in a very um, unfair way to Donny van der Beek. Um, <laughs> Ryan Gravenberch has signed for Liverpool on a five-year deal. Now, I do want to bring you in on this, but before I do, I just want to give you my take. 
I think he's a really good player. And I thought when he signed for Bayern Munich, I know you said that Bayern Munich got on perhaps a little bit more early than they thought they would. Mm. I was really excited to see what he could do. It seemed like a really, really exciting prospect. And then he found himself, of course, behind Goretzka, Kimmich and Lima in Bayern Munich's midfield. And he's not really obviously kicked on. He's not really played that much. Certainly not played as much as he wanted to. Klopp's been a big admirer of him for a long time. Um, but... Liverpool, in recent transfer windows, particularly around midfielders, as in traditional midfielders, I'm not talking about the kind of attacking players that, that kind of nominally are midfielders on fantasy Premier League, but actually aren't midfielders. I mean, when it comes to actual <laughs> midfielders, um, it's not been a brilliant track record recently. Um, yeah, I'll give you a couple of examples. Of course, Wataro Endo is, is kind of, you know, the jury's still out. He only signed for him a few weeks ago. But, I mean, players such as, and so I would say the same about McAllister as well, but players such as Artur Mello and um, Fabio Carvalho, I suppose, is a bit more of an attacking player. But, you know, they, they've not had an amazing record recently with midfield players. The midfield is a problem for Liverpool because they mm. keep losing them and they can't get good ones in. So what do we think about Graven Birch? I always think of him as a kind of a, a straight central midfield player who can play a bit more defensively. But you seem to think of him as a much more attacking-minded player who would need to be coached to play more defensively. <clears throat> so what's he going to do for Liverpool? Is it going to be good? Stick your neck on the line. I don't want to hear on one hand this, on the other hand this. Tell me what the fuck's going on. Well, apart from the fact that you've just outed yourself as uh, listening to the social media clip of OT, Ask OTC rather than the whole thing, which we'll discuss after the Listen, show. I ain't got time for that shit, <laughs> right? I created OTC. I passed it on. I moved on. What do you I've, think this is? <laughs> I've got a three-month-old son. <laughs> I think Gravenberg will be really good for them. I'm listening I, to Football Weekly, mate. I haven't got all day. <laughs> I'm listening to all those amazing athletic shows. Listen to the new Lineker one. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> right. I, I know my place. I know my place. <laughs> I, I think he'll be really good for them. I also think it will take time because... As you say, he hasn't played much in in, in the last year. Um, I mean, he's not played a lot of football as a defensive midfielder. I think that no. that's, that's got to be made but can clear he do from it? the start. Yeah, I think he can. And, and the people around him and the coaches who've had him um, believe he, he can be. But like I said, he will need to be coached into that. I don't think there's 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 any doubt about that. Because of the range of passing he's he's got, I think... There's definitely the temptation to play him a, a little bit further forward as, as as well. You know, I think he can have that box-to-box contribution in, in, in the Premier League. But the reason I compared him to Donny van der Beek is because he's a sort of a buy and a victim of circumstance and a victim of timing, really. As I said, the club saw it as an opportunity and bought him. And really, it's an incredible profit. They've more than doubled their money on a player who's played, what, Started three league games for them. <laughs> That's what pretty... Premier League do to you. That it's... is what Premier League is there for. It's an incredible we'll, business. We'll help if, you out. Don't worry about if it. If you can get it. But look, I, I, this is very different, say, to the Artur Mello, Mello signing because um, Artur was a panic signing, an opportunity signing. As you say, Gravenberg is someone that Klopp has been interested in for a very long time. So this is a continuity signing. Mm. Uh, Liverpool also... Um... This is this is a story that blew my mind to bits. I mean, I'm interested in Graven Birch. I said it's possibly the most interesting one, and we'll see how it transpires. But a really interesting aspect of, of the transfer window late on, I thought was um, Liverpool reportedly turning down 150 milli 
for from Al Itihad for Mo Salah, right? And and I, I don't know if this is the case. This could just be. I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? Like, there's such a blur between you know reality and fiction here. You know, the thin line between entertainment and war and all that. Uh, that you know, you don't know what's true and what isn't. And there's been reports that Elita had are prepared to bid two hundred million pounds for Salah, which obviously, if we put aside the obscenity of the amounts of money on scale, you know, the unbelievable greed uh, that's on display, like that two hundred million pound bid may or may not materialise, but the hundred and fifty million pound one apparently did. I think, regardless of who he is, I think that's an incredible amount of money to turn down for a player of his age. I mean, I think you could. You know, I know Liverpool. He's popular. At Liverpool. He's been amazing to say the least. He's you know arguably the figurehead of mm. what they've achieved under Klopp. Um, but ultimately, you know, everything moves on. Everything. He's not obviously not getting any younger. His contract's not getting any longer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I was actually quite surprised they didn't want to do business on that um, at that amount of money. But did you feel the same? Uh, partially, uh, th- again, I think it's timing. If this is a discussion they have a month ago, then maybe Liverpool can think about it. But the problem is the sort of level at which you need to replace Mo Salah. It's not a deal you can pull together in like a day and a half. You know, you need a plan for that, and it, he is a, a huge part of what they they still do. I think as well, Liverpool can afford to play the clock a little bit because. He is a player that they know is of such I'm value. I'm always doing that. Yeah. I, I think there's such value of Salah to the Saudi Pro League because, you know, he's the ultimate Arab superstar. So, you know, they'll yeah. be prepared to pay the same next year, even if there's like less time on his contract. And, dare I say it, when he's 32, getting off the last year of his contract when... That they ended up paying Salah more than they wanted to to keep him on that last contract, and whereas it might be not chicken feed, but um, a relatively small deal for the Saudi Pro League, any Saudi Pro League club who would pay him what three four times that, um, it's, it's a big deal to Liverpool. It, it could give them a great amount of freedom. I agree. Moving on, going forward, but next summer, I, I think with the time scale, they, they, they just couldn't afford to do it right now. I think I've been thinking about it and I think I know what happened. I think Liverpool did want to accept it, but then Salah said, I am not playing under Nuno. It's as simple <laughs> as that. I'm not playing under Nuno. Did, did he say I'm not playing under Nuno or did he say I'm not playing next to Karim Benzema, especially if he wants to be the captain? <laughs> well, Liverpool could have said, um, give us Kante back on, give us Kante on loan or give us um, Benzema on loan and we'll talk about it. But of course, Saudis aren't in the business of letting players leave, are they? That's just not how it is. Um, yeah, they will be in a month, do. trust me. Yeah, well, quite. Um, let's just let's just round up the transfer thing on um, on Brennan Johnson because I think that's a that's a great one for for Spurs. Agreed. Um, he's moved from Nottingham Forest for forty five million pound. I like the way Spurs are going about it. I have to say, Daniel Levy is the type of character he is, and we haven't got to go over that because we talked about him to death for years and years and years. So everyone knows what Daniel Levy's all about, right? What I like about Ange Postacoglu is the confidence he shows. I th- I loved how he handled the Kane thing publicly. I thought he was a big pair of shoulders and just kind mm. of took responsibility. Said, "No, we're a bigger club than that. This is not how it is. No player's bigger than the club." Effectively, I think the unconfident thing to do after Kane would have gone, particularly given that you know you really you know, the, the player they've really got who plays up front for them is Richardson, who just doesn't score goals. I know he scored in the cup recently, but he just doesn't really score goals. The unconfident thing to do would be like, right, we need to find a striker who's going to get us 20 Premier League goals a season and we need to move heaven and earth to get him in and we need to do it now. They haven't done that. 
Agreed. They've gone after a, a forward who can play slightly wider, but is a kind of modern forward. He's really dynamic, fast, fits into the way Postacoglu wants to play. Um, Brennan Johnson is not a player who scored an incredible amount of goals at, um, at Premier League level, but they're kind of believing in the system, right? They're believing in the process. And I think they kind of understand now that actually it's a fool's errand trying to replace Harry Kane's goals. What we need to do is get a system and a team and a dynamic where everyone can kind of contribute, right? Exactly. And the whole point is you're not you're not replacing just Harry Kane's goals. You, if you're trying to replace him as a totem, as a playmaker, like trying to replace a player who has about three, four different functions in the team, it just doesn't work. We've seen like Manchester yeah. United partially botch that the first time Cristiano Ronaldo left. Dortmund made a mess of it when Lewandowski left. It's it's just not possible. So to like back away from doing that, so have plan and process rather than panic. I, I think is definitely the way to go. I completely agree with you. Also, I think with Spurs, you look at the way that they blew the Gareth Bale money. Not very successfully. I mean, obviously <laughs> yeah. they did get like Christian Eriksen in in in, in that slush of players that w- worked out quite well. I'm not saying munge anymore. I've moved on from that. <laughs> uh, uh, um, but I, I think they've got to be a bit careful about that. And I think they have been careful about that. Yeah, I think I think it's a good move. I think he fits perfectly into what they want to do. He's an exciting player. It's sad for Nottingham Forest because, of course, you know, he's he's really been um, symbolic with their recent success. And he's been fantastic. But they got a good fee. Um, Forest also, I mean, by the way, they've been busy themselves. As per usual, they signed seven players on deadline day, including Callum Hudson-Odoi from Chelsea and Divock Origi on loan from Milan. They've had um, a really quiet like window, generally, hadn't they? And then you go to bed and you wake up and have signed five players. Yeah, it's great. I, I think um, I, I, th- I was always quite, I've always been quite um, sort of sympathetic towards Callum Hudson-Odoi, who was like, hugely rated he had that on and off thing with Bayern Munich for ages mm. and now he's just become a bit of a forgotten man through no real fault of his own that I know of so it'd be good to see if he can have a restart um, and kind of turbocharge his career because I think if he can find that form again you know with respect to Nottingham Forest for a club at the level they're at he could be like, sensational for them you know but that's the level um, he's at as well because he wasn't great yeah. for Leverkusen last year so he's, he's at the moment, it's good yeah. that he's got like not a loan but a three year contract where he can actually concentrate on knuckling down and fulfilling some of that potential Potential. Yeah, exactly. All right, so that's the whistle-stop tour of, um, of of transfers on deadline day. Before we move on to the European competitions draw, I just want a, a quick line on the fact that Andy Carroll has signed for uh, <laughs> French second-tier club Amiens. Uh, he'll wear the number 99 for the club, and um, the reason I wanted to mention it is because it's a lovely little move, and Carroll's a bit of a cult hero here, here at Ramble Towers, but the reason I wanted to mention the move is because the person who broke that news to me all the way from Japan on his holidays was Pete Donaldson, who just shared a link with me, which just underneath he just commented, lay Smyrna off ice. <laughs> <laughs> which is presumably what Andy Carroll's asking for right now, somewhere in France. <laughs> Prom. I don't know if you can ask for Mets that far north, but uh, <laughs> it's funny because they in the presentation video, they showed him going up the stairs to the top of their stadium and they're quite... As Marcus puts it, they're quite Jurassic Park-esque arena, yeah. um, the Le Corne. And um, at, at the top, it it, it plays mu- the music. The music is actually Andy by Le Rita Misuko, which is a very famous song in France. I know because he will go through what I went through and people will come up and sing it to him like three times a week. And it goes, Dima oui, Andy. So that's why he gets to the top and he goes, Je dis oui. <laughs> so it was, Listen, it, was, it was a very good video 
Skinny trousers, questionable trainers, appearances on TV, both called Andy. We'll, both love getting smashed on Smirnoff Ice. Will the comparisons <laughs> never end? Um, <laughs> but good luck to him, I say. Good luck to him. Um, on on the um, European draw thing that I trailed at the top of the show, um, champ- we'll start with the Champions League. I mean, Arsenal and Man City have avoided kind of any of the traditional big clubs. I mean, Arsenal's group looks a bit like a... Um, That's one way of putting it. <laughs> Little, little Europa League tribute group to me. Um, City have got RB Leipzig, I suppose, who they've got some recent history with. But really, the, the kind of headlines were Manchester United getting Harry Kane's Bayern Munich, as we know after, you know, contractually obliged to call them, yes. uh, along with Galatasaray and FC Copenhagen. But Newcastle, Newcastle is the big headline. It's your, Andy, it's your neck of the woods. It's where you are currently sat as we record this show. They're back in the Champions League for the first time in however long. And they've been joined by... PSG, Dortmund and Milan. Now, what normally happens when this kind of thing goes on is that people like me who don't really know anything about European football say, oh, that's a tough one. Sucks through, sucks through, we suck through our teeth. We say we haven't got the tools in the van and say this is going to cost you. And then who, <laughs> the people I like to call the well-actually crowd who know about European football come in and start talking about how those teams actually aren't that good anymore. And so don't worry about it. It's just the name. And Newcastle have got nothing to be scared of. I put it to you, Andy Brussel, which of those two things is it for Newcastle? I would edge towards the latter rather than the former. Um, I think they've got a right. chance in this group and they've got a chance of at least having to go for third because remember this is, as the last Champions League group stage ever, this is the last chance to finish third and get in the Europa League as well because it'll all be reformatted next season. That's as, the spirit. As, as, as people know. So, um, it, you know, Geordie's in Dublin for the, the Europa League final, anyone? Could be fun. Could be fun. But I, I think Could be fun. W- when when you look at those Dortmund, who um, were really rubbish last night, actually uh, at home to Heidenheim, in which they didn't win against a team that's never been in the top flight before and had never taken a point before um, last night. Uh, they've got a lot of talent, but look all over the place at, at the moment. Milan are having a a semi rebuild. And, of course, Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Christian Pulisic have, have, have come in. Pulisic has, has looked quite good early on. But, you know, they're, they're still not a vintage Milan side by any stretch of the imagination. And PSG are moving on from their whole Galacticos thing. I mean, they, they have Mbappe back. Um, they still have Marquinhos. But, um, you know, whether Usman Dembele and young Bradley Barkler and Randall Kolo-Moani are going to be the players to take them to the Champions League. That, to me, seems very, very unlikely. So I think Newcastle have maybe even got the best of both worlds because you look at the the length of time they've been out of the Champions League. I think you want bangers. You want big games that are... Yeah, we're back. This is what it's all about kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah, real occasions. That's what Howe said, to be fair. Yeah, real occasions. At the same time, it's not completely impossible by any stretch of the imagination, I don't think. I mean, I think think also... um... I mean, we'd all be we'd all be absolutely delighted to see PSG finish bottom of that group, wouldn't we? It'd be fantastic. <laughs> like, you know, we'd be we'd obviously be regretful that we're not going to get the old uh, implosion around the quarterfinal stage. But I mean, you know, get it out of the way early, um, yeah. get them out of there. That'd be uh, that'd be brilliant. Um, I, I do think you're right. I think you know, in the same way that um, we talked about Luton embracing these massively tough but glamorous fixtures in the Premier League, I think you've got to apply that same logic to Newcastle in the Champions League, right? They're back up there. Um, they um, you know, they'll, the fans will, you know, will obviously massively enjoy it. And, and mm. some of the older fans will remember when they're in the Champions League in the 90s and have some great memories of that. And 
They're looking to make more memories now. And the less said about how they got there, the better. But we'll move on from that. Um, Europa League, uh, Brighton uh, drew a kind of group of death of their own, I suppose. The Ajax, Marseille and AEK of Athens. Um, I don't know too much about AEK, but I know that um, Ajax are regularly have a decent standard. And, and Marseille are a team that are well-versed in planning European competition as well. But when I say group of death on that, you know, the reason I say that is because in the Europa League, it feels to me a bit like if you're a big club, you're kind of really just testing and adapting until you get to around the quarterfinal stage because That's true. you can normally yeah. expect to get some some decent, decent games, right? Brighton will look at that group and go, okay, that could have been a lot easier particularly when you look at who say West Ham drew to me that looks slightly easier to them but I'm speaking from a position of ignorance here so maybe you disagree no I, I, I don't and I think look at Liverpool's you, group for example you know yeah when you when you compare the Champions League and the, the Europa League people talk about the, the gap between the haves and the have-nots in, in, in the Champions League it's far more pronounced in the Europa League group stage there's no doubt about that and I think from like, if you're running a, a Premier League club's ticket office I think there must be times when you get a Europa League draw and think, shit, how are we going to sell any of these? You know? Andy, I'd love for you and me to be running the Premier League ticket office. <laughs> It'd be like that, um, that Bureau de Change sketch back in the day, the Chris Morris thing. Um, I, I, I just smell a sitcom there. You and me running the ticket office for a Premier League club and um, regularly things just go wrong. Or, as I like to call it, um, the Emirates Stadium. Um, <laughs> what about the Conference League? Aston Villa drew uh, Arzad Alkmaar, Lydia Warsaw and uh, HSK Zarinski. I don't know. I literally don't know who HSK Zarinski even are, mate. So you're going to have to help me with that. Well, look, um, I, I think I think the point is with, with Aston Villa, I, I just feel like I'm going to be repeating myself from West Ham, at West Ham last season. You look at the amount of money they've got, they've got to be winning that competition. And it's a weird thing to say at the start of a competition... Right, that's the team that's going to win it. You know, yeah. I, I know like you could get a team dropping out of the, the the Europa League that might cause them a few difficulties, but realistically, Villa are the favourites to win that competition quite comfortably. Going back briefly to Brighton and what we were saying about them, and you can I think apply all of those points with Newcastle in that the big names they'll be exciting for the fans, but even more so, Brighton should be winning that group. All those teams have got issues at the moment and you know AK like fell well short against and you may have called them Harry Kane's Bayern Munich you definitely have to call them Toby Alderweireld's uh, Royal Antwerp for sure uh, fell, fell short against them Marseille gave a three year contract to Pierre Emerick Aubameyang I'm going to leave that there and uh, <laughs> I, I actually the weakest they've been in a number of seasons that should so, be a ban very doable for Brighton that should just be a ban <laughs> right, basically right you, you, you've given a three-year contract to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. You're banned from European competition for the length of that contract. You want him there, you can't play in Europe. It's as yeah, simple I, as that. I, I thought it's got of, to stop. I thought of that recently. I couldn't get Aubameyang out of my head when I was watching uh, the Lakers, uh, the fictional Lakers series, uh, win it, Winning Time. And uh, Dr. Jerry Buss gives uh, a 25-year contract to, to, to Magic Johnson. <laughs> uh, everyone in the dressing room's like, my God! Yeah, and he's like, yeah, what, what? <laughs> yeah, but at least Magic Johnson is Magic Johnson. Yes, at least yeah. Magic Johnson is Magic Johnson. Um, I was, I was kind of on a personal level. I was kind of a little bit um, upset not to see Aston Villa draw um, Klaxvik of the Faroe Islands, who've got like a kind of unremarkable, quite boring group that they'll probably get knocked out of. Um, I'd love to have seen them play 
against um, a Fiorentina who are in there or an Aston Villa or even an Eintracht Frankfurt who of course have, have done really well in Europe recently um, yeah. well, sadly that wasn't to be I, th- I think look we can't talk about the teams that are going to drop into that division uh, that competition because we just don't know who they are yet no. but with the exception of um, you know the aforementioned teams and probably Club Bruges it's difficult to see where Villa slip up. But then it's all on them, isn't it? That brings its own pressure. Um, but they should be. I mean, the money on display is absolutely right. The, the, the kind of purchasing power, the players they've got, they yeah. need to really be going deep, deep, deep in that. I mean, look what it can and do that's for before you get look to at West Ham. Exactly. Oh, exactly. And then yeah. we'll, I'm, I'm, whatever you want to think about Aston Villa, you cannot make an argument that Unai Emery is not the best manager in that competition. I mean, well, and, and remember, they've got the player who scored the first ever winning goal in a Europa Conference League final, Nicola Zaniola. So there we go. There you go. And Zaniola was kind of a player who was going to go to a super club at one point. I mean, he was well highly rated. I mean, it's amazing yeah. to see him. I mean, not at the point where he scored the winner in that final, but anyway. No. Hopefully, hopefully he gets Villa, back to that point. You know, he's great to watch no. when he's on it. No. In fact, I am disrespecting Villa there. I don't fucking care. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I, hate it when, I hate it when broadcasters do that. I've no disrespect to so and so. I'll disrespect every club. I don't care. Every disrespect. What are they going to do? <laughs> That ain't going to do anything. And on that friendly note, um, basically me agreeing that I do disrespect every single professional club in football. Um, we're going to wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's Ramble Reacts. A little bit longer than we planned, but look, Andy's a windbag. I don't shut up either, so what did you expect? Um, Marcus um, Marcus is back hosting on Monday with Jim Vish and me. Um, and we'll, we'll take in all the weekend's action there uh, on, on, on that show. Enjoy the weekend's football. Have a great time. Stay safe. Look after yourselves. And, um, and I hope you um you enjoyed the show if you did leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast i know the football ramble is a big show been around for a long time but it genuinely does really help us and helps other fans to find us if you leave us a good review wherever you get your podcast so do that it takes about five seconds and uh, it really does help us um in the meantime find us on twitter tiktok instagram on youtube or at football ramble and remember to subscribe on your podcast app. In the meantime, we'll be back on Monday. Uh, we'll see you then. Thank you very much, Andy. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Goodbye. The Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hello everybody, we interrupt this episode of the Football Ramble to bring you some more Football Ramble in a section brought to you by TNT Sports. This season, you can stream exclusive UEFA Champions League and Premier League football on TNT Sports. In anticipation of the start of a new season, we've been invited to cast our minds forward and share everything we're excited to get back to. Now the football is upon us. The season's upon us. I'm excited, you're excited, Lucky Moore. Yeah. How how are you feeling right now? Two we're words. Right at the start. Two words. Christmas Eve. Christmas yeah. Eve. Like every single year, every single summer, no matter how old I get, no matter how much mm. uh, football I've watched in the past, mm. uh, I get the same feeling every single time. Yeah. At the possibility of what's ahead, and because for me, it's not just about who's going to score the most goals, who's going to do this, who's going to mm. do that. It's about the whole thing around it. Yeah. The whole football kind of artifice it's something you look forward to every yes. day there's a narrative yeah. everywhere yeah. there's a subtext everywhere yeah. Fish. it's not just a new season it feels like a new series <laughs> yeah it does yeah it's like a little it's like a little bit of I always think at the end of the season I was like wow that was a long season I'm not sure I'm going to be and then I've got that 
bit of pickled ginger in my mouth and, I'm, <laughs> and I've been massively palate cleansed. I've had a, um, well, there's a paratifs you get sometimes. I've had a complete palate cleanser and then we're back to the, back to the action. And the football season series... They don't drop them all at once. No. You have to wait every yeah. week. Yes. And that's the beautiful part of it. It's not all given to you in a binge <laughs> Imagine watch. if they just gave you all of the season of football yeah. in one weekend. Yeah. Spoilers. Like Come Spoilers. on. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. watched it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I've got one day in my mind that right. I'm very much looking forward to, and I'm sure you're looking forward to it as well. I yeah. think I'm looking forward to it for different reasons. Right. Um, it's Newcastle Manchester United on the 2nd of December. Right. And that'll be... Probably the time I eventually leave the family WhatsApp. <laughs> my brother, but, my mum, my dad will give me pelters and yeah. So it is all about the WhatsApp group action for you, I suppose. You are in a family group and it can get quite competitive between you and your brother. Yeah, yeah. So my dad is a Liverpool fan, which right. um, muddies the waters even further, but weirdly has found an, an, an alliance with my brother and they've mm. wrote my mum into it, into just mocking... Manchester United, so right. and also given the given what Newcastle are on the cusp of, it's mm. um it's quite you daunting. Haven't, you haven't built any alliances. That's the problem. No, this is what <laughs> you've not yeah. done the empire building. I'm not any good at risk. I'm never. I've never been good at risk. Yeah. <laughs> what, have, what have you missed about the football summer break? Then, I, I just think it's very much uh, for me meal prep. <laughs> you know, like how bodybuilders they 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 get this ungodly awful looking chicken. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. broccoli and, and yeah. they make meal prep for the rest of the week and you're like just for... add seasoning yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah just yeah. put anything on it to make it good gravy's not going to kill you mate yeah. um, but I, I'm very much like I've got to get my Chinese yeah, yeah. I've got to get my Chinese ready for the match so there's a ritual that, that you can't yeah. do in the summer basically it's, yeah exactly the midweek games like mm. there's something very nice there's almost something, something poetic about you finish work for the day mm. and you get home and the timing works really well for me. Right. You get your dinner, you get everything sorted, you're ready for the kickoff and you and then it takes you through the whole evening. Yeah. That's, you haven't got to worry about what you're going to do because you're going to watch the football. It's mm. a great thing. Mm. So the football's back, uh, Lucky Moore. What rituals will you be going through before the first match of your season? Everything. Would, would you, do you have like a special pair of Lucky socks? A hat? I don't... <laughs> No, I don't. One wear of those a, really annoying seventies rattles. I don't, wear, I don't wear a hat indoors. No, okay. No. Um, my, no, the ritual will be just everything stops because the football's about to start. <laughs> get yourself fed. Get yourself. Get your drink and your yeah. snacks within arm's reach. So you haven't got to leave. Yeah, and then off you go. That's basically it. <laughs> I think that is basically it. For, for me, Vish, it's it's all about um, planning that I'm going to sit down and watch it on the telly. Uh, and I'm going to start watching it half an hour before because I want to get all the pre-match stuff. I want to get oh, the yeah. team news stuff like that. But I never you haven't do. got fatigue about that. To well, that's what I mean, but I never, but I never do. Yeah, and I always sort of end up getting there like one minute after it started. It's just every time. I don't know what's wrong with my brain. Yeah, I, I find I um I try and use the build-up to kick off constructively by doing Lunges. washing up or whatever. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Yeah. Get, get your admin out of the way. Yeah. Shot do, the runs up and down the street. Yeah. Let's do a quick hit session. Um, <laughs> but I end up sitting down at kickoff and thinking, oh, I'm not up for this. I, need I, can't, to, so, I can't. So I, can't. I need to build up now. Yeah, I, I can't okay. um, properly. I get annoyed with myself if I'm not there in time to see the lineups. Right. I can't be doing yeah. I yeah, can't yeah, be yeah. doing with not having it. For me, that's a massive part of it. I need to be watching the TV when the teams come out and they show it up on the screen, mm. because for me, it's annoying to have to look at my phone to see the lineups are when the game's on. So I need to get, so for me, it starts, 
It has to start earlier than kickoff. It so, has you, to. so you need previously on Premier League. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Who are the protagonists? <laughs> this this day's yes, drama. Exa- what, what, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I want yeah. musical goal montages, and yeah. I want them now. Yeah. Crying out loud. Uh, well, thanks, guys, for letting me uh, get incredibly excited and getting me all excited. And remember, this isn't just sport. This is. Everything With TNT Sports, you get exclusive UEFA Champions League and Premier League football, along with the best of rugby, boxing, UFC, WWE, MotoGP and more. Stream TNT Sports on Discovery Plus or watch TNT Sports channels on BT Sky and Virgin Media. Subscription required. Age 18 plus. T's and C's apply. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.